0: I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Manna.
1: And this is Food for Thought.
0: A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. Jenna, did you hear that they're opening a restaurant on the moon? No. Yeah, it's supposed to have really good food, but no atmosphere.
1: Because <laughs> that's... never mind.
0: <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 9.
1: Yes, I thought it was 11. <laughs> oh we we're gosh. planning it. It's episode 9. Every time nine. we do
0: this, we're like, we need to check what episode we're on, and we never do. Um, Jenna, you want to share your Joy Junk Jesus?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my... Um, joy this week was, it's just like recognizing how beautiful pregnancy is. And as um, I continue to get bigger, (laughs) how my clothes don't fit as well. And so one of my joys this week was going to the store and I was walking through the store with my mom and um, one of the ladies that was working there came up to us and said, oh, you know, do you need any help finding anything? And I said, no. Thank you. And she noticed that I was pregnant and she just was asking me so many questions and so um, interested and also so joyful. And then she started sharing about her daughter, um, how her daughter is getting her master's right now, and how when she was pregnant with her, the doctor told her that she should abort her baby because mm. it she wasn't fully formed, they said. Mm. And so she looked at the doctor and she said, heck no, and walked straight out of the office. And her daughter is like this beautiful woman now and just so smart. And she wants to go back to the doctor and tell him how wrong he was. But yeah. um, it's just really beautiful, all the joys that are coming out of it and how people are just, it creates this community out of mm-hmm. just a baby. And it's so yeah. cool. Pretty so totally. that's my joy. My junk... Um, it kind of goes into my Jesus moment because, um, my Jesus moment this week, if you have the Blessed Is She reflection, Lenten reflection journal, oh my gosh, it is so good. If you're a girl and you don't have anything like this, go get it. It's amazing because they really called me out this week on how, um, my prayer life is really poopy. (laughs) (laughs) Just one way to explain it and how I've kind of just been a jerk to God and a jerk to Jesus. And um, so my junk is how far I've fallen away and just like how my faith has really taken a back seat, even though I act like it's not. Mm. Um, And then my Jesus moment is how my heart has finally like opened back up and is recognizing all of these things and these wounds and things that... Um, I really need to start acknowledging and just like allowing Christ back in. So those are my joy and my junk and my Jesus. Nice. What about you, Matt?
0: I, when you said what you just said. <laughs> I'm really tired this morning <laughs> when we're recording this. So I'm probably going to say bizarre things like this. But I imagined that I was watching like a Mr. Rogers style infomercial on prayer, like on EWTN. And Mr. Rogers came on and was like, is your prayer laugh poopy? And that's what I thought of when you said that.
1: Good, I'm glad. You would
0: be sitting there like,
1: yes, it is. It's so poopy. (laughs) So much poop. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways,
0: so my joy is um, first of all, we have another supporter on Patreon, Vincent DiBernardo. My
1: brother in law. Yeah. You are awesome. Thank you so
0: much for your support. And if any of you want to continue to support, um, us not only by listening and spreading the word, but by um, financially contributing to this podcast, so we can keep keep it going. Please visit our website or go to patreoncom Um But that's my joy, and my joy is also Lent. And I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if that's a common thing that's said, but um, I really love the discipline of Lent, and because um, I'm not a disciplined person, and I very much try to be, I am with everything where people depend on me, but when it comes to <laughs> myself my own, like, independent goals, I'm very, very not disciplined. So Lent has been beautiful so far because I've been really diving in and trying really hard. And I know we're only, like, not even a full weekend. I know. Um, And, you know, next week I'll be like, what sucks? It's so horrible. (laughs) um, That's my joy right now. My junk, this is going to sound weird, but my junk is Fergie. What? Because last night, or yesterday, she sang the national anthem at Uh the NBA All-Star Game. And it was so bad. It was she was like <laughs> su- trying to seduce the microphone, and just ah oh, say, can you say? It was just like gross. So if that's you, your job. it is because I have a really like. I have a really powerful attachment to people singing the National Anthem well, Aww. and so if y'all need to see the best rendition ever, look up Whitney Houston singing the National Anthem at the mm. Super Bowl. Um, I don't know what year it was, um, but it was a while ago, and it's a grainy little video, but she is, like, effortlessly perfect in her singing of it. So, sorry, Fergie, Jesus loves you, but um, please don't do that again. And, um, <laughs> not that you'd be listening to it. Well, maybe. You could be. And if you are, I don't mean to criticize you and you are a child of God. I don't know why I'm talking to Fergie (laughs) right now. Um, She's not going to listen to this. So anyways, my Jesus moment um, on Saturday, I went to a funeral for one of the young, um, young people who passed Mm -hmm. away recently in South Orange County from suicide. And it was a really beautiful ceremony, um, really beautiful funeral mass, just the way that the family allowed the community to mourn with them. And just the beauty of that and what people shared. And there was just such a spirit of grace and and healing there. Um, It was just really beautiful to witness, even though I didn't know this young man. Like Mm. it was just I felt very connected to everyone there. So it was just a really profound um, thing. And that kind of ties into what we're talking about today in terms of community, because we we really wanted to talk about kind of this idea of loneliness and how... um, our culture's view of friendship and community is not really how God uh, like, calls us to be in friendship and community, to call us out of those moments when we're feeling loneliness or feeling like our desires maybe are misplaced, like we're constantly being maybe let down in relationships and kind of talking about mm-hmm. how to prioritize that and what does a really good, authentic Catholic friendship look like or faithful friendship look like and how does that call us to accountability and how do you call like a friend out when... You know that they're going down the wrong path or you know that they need to be called out for something that they need accountability with. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. So um, we're going to start off by talking about loneliness and like what is loneliness and why do we experience it? Um, And so for me, at least what I see um, in the world, like loneliness in my life and the people that I've observed is really when we experience, uh, it's what we experience when we're looking for our ultimate acceptance in someone or something other than God, Mm. you know, because we have that ultimate desire for God that only he can fulfill. And when we place that in any other thing or person, um, and we let it rest solely on their shoulders, we end up eventually feeling that imbalance and then that loneliness creeps in. Um, and so this might manifest when you have like the loss of feelings in a relationship, you know? like. Um, I don't feel like I have any friends cause we don't have that like warm excitement of our friendship or I don't feel the passion in my relationship or my marriage anymore. Or I don't feel, I don't feel God anymore. So we yeah. must not be there. Um, and, and I think if we think about that rationally, like we know just because I don't feel like the warm tinglies, like anytime I, I think about God or I'm in prayer, it doesn't mean he's not there, you yeah. know? Um, Mother Teresa um, of Calcutta, she um, always, she recounted in her writings that when she had her like kind of powerful call to the sisterhood uh, and really felt God in a really profound way for 50 years after that, she didn't have that same feeling at all. She called it her dark night of the soul, but that didn't mean she doubted that he existed or that he was there. It was just like, it wasn't about the feelings anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to remember that those relationships, like they take effort. You know, the feelings are just the thing that happens kind of naturally when you get the butterflies. It doesn't take effort. But after that, like, it takes work, you know, and it takes effort on both sides. Um, So.
1: Yeah, I, I, it reminded me of, I was listening to a talk before I was married. And the, the one that was talking had said, you can be laying next to your significant other in bed. And feel the loneliest you've ever felt in your entire life yeah and we see that too and just you know you can be walking through your hallways at school and there can be so many people piled up next to you and you can feel so lonely and mm-hmm. just so empty um, but it's this it's really this idea that um, we really need to be investing in the people around us but yeah it's not an emotional investment you know mm-hmm. and that emotional investment sometimes will, You'll not get anything really out of it and you won't have those same emotions, just like you said. Um, But it really does take that work and that effort because there's been plenty of times in my marriage now that there's been like, okay, I don't feel like we're on the same page and it makes you feel lonely. And then you can do that within friendships, you know, Um, you guys can be going down two different paths and it just feels like you're not on the same page and that you're extremely lonely in your journey.
0: Yeah. And I think like we that goes back to that we're misplacing our desires for like acceptance with God. Um, we're putting that on other people. We're mm-hmm. treating our friendships like they're supposed to save us mm-hmm. or be our messiah in life, like or our relationships. Like there's so many people when I hear them talk about relationships, like they have this perfect. We talked about this in our our podcast when we talked about relationships and dating. Yeah, um, I think it's episode four when you're you're placing all of these. Expectations like on a list, this is what I won't settle for, yeah. anything less than this. And then you read it and you realize, like, am I anticipating a spouse or am I just waiting for Jesus? Because this person I've written down seems a little perfect, you know, mm-hmm. and the person that I meet is not going to be. And mm-hmm. so and also asking, like, am I living up to those standards, you mm-hmm. know, talking about that. And so realizing it's a two sided um thing and also like I think this is really from the prevalency of social media as well like um, you know you can it's amazing you can have thousands of friends uh, virtual friends and just like you said Jenna be the loneliest person in the world and feel like nobody understands nobody relates and so I think we have to recognize in those moments when we feel lonely like to take a, a second and say like, okay, what is it I'm really desiring? Mm-hmm. And how, how and why am I not getting that from my relationship with God right now? Because your relationship with God is the only relationship where you are kind of naturally able to be a little bit selfish because God is such a giver. Yeah, Like we'll never be able to reciprocate what God gives. You know, it just, he's naturally giving us all of himself at all times and our Response is basically just the best response we can give back to Him in love and just like accepting that. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's nothing that we can do for God that and to make Him more than He already is. And so that relationship can naturally be that way that we receive. But if we're placing that desire in someone else and saying, I want to receive everything from you that my heart really desires, and we're not placing that in God, then that's so much burden Mm -hmm. on that relationship or that person. And so realizing like, it's okay to be in a relationship where you feel like you're giving a whole lot unless it's like toxic. And, but if you're not <laughs> receiving like everything you should be receiving, like in a marriage, obviously you yeah. should be receiving that love and that that um, affirmation back. And maybe that's a conversation you two need to have about what your love languages are and how you really receive love and affirmation. Mm-hmm. But um, if you're really looking for that, like I want to receive so much out of this relationship that I'm not getting, ask yourself just for a moment, is this because I'm placing an an undue expectation on this person that they'll never be able to meet mm-hmm. and that it's really something I need to be looking to God for. And also I think there's also something to be said of the fruitfulness of solitude. And a couple of weeks ago I gave a talk about healthy loneliness. And how we've lost the art of this, like in our world, that we're constantly in this state of like fear of missing out. Mm -hmm. And we're constantly, every spare moment we have, looking to what other people are doing, looking to how other people are living their life on social media, and trying to present ourselves in a way that's in our friend group, or in the culture, or relevant, when it's so healthy to have those times, like even Jesus in scripture went to a deserted place, went to a place of solitude. And how often do we do that, you know? Um, And so... To recognize in those moments, like, and acknowledge, what am I really looking for? And uh, so that moves us into the next thing is um, asking ourselves, are our friendships fruitful? Because if we're constantly feeling (laughs) like this and we're realizing, you know, in those moments of loneliness, I'm looking for something that my friendships can't give. Yeah to orient that toward God, but then to look at the friendship itself then and say, is this friendship a fruitful friendship? Is it leading me to that relationship with God or is it taking me away or is it just kind of this neutral thing that could go either way? Um, And so really ask yourself like, what do I look for in a friend? What is it that I desire from a friendship? And realize um, that you can't be looking for a savior in other people or other experiences. Um,
1: Yeah, I see this a lot in high school. And I know I experienced this myself that when you're in high school, it's really just, you know, you want to be a part of a community. You want to be noticed. You want to be seen. Um, And the minute that you leave high school, all of those friends disappear. Yeah. And it makes you recognize, oh, wow, we weren't actually friends. Like, we weren't actually investing in each other. It wasn't actually a fruitful relationship. It was just me trying to have something other than just myself alone Mm -hmm. and that's really hard sometimes for any of us to really recognize that you know we're we're in a a friend group or we're in a a relationship with somebody that um is really there just as a means to an end of just having Mm -hmm. people around us and that can be really really terrifying to step back and look at relationships like that and think okay you know what this actually isn't benefiting me and we're not, there's like, we're not growing together. We're not growing in faith together and we're not growing towards heaven and walking towards heaven together. And that's a really, really hard, um, choice to make and a hard decision. And also, it also feels like you're just leaving that person behind, Yeah. but it's something that you really, really need to look at. And there's nothing wrong with stepping back from a relationship and saying, okay, this isn't fruitful. I, I still love you and I'll still, you know, see you sometimes and check in and how is everything going? But um, is this really a place I really need to be investing my yeah. time and my effort in? And especially in high school and in college too, um, those are really hard times to do because yeah. you f- you can feel very very alone and very isolated when you do that.
0: Yeah, yeah and uh, you know it's you just have to recognize that we're all sinners, and we if we're looking to other sinners for what only God can give, mm-hmm. then you know at At best, we'll be disappointed or at worst, we're going to be led astray or wounded or really hurt by the fact that we put all our eggs in that person's basket, you know? Um, And so uh, St. John Bosco says, fly from bad companions as from the bite of a poisonous snake. If you keep good companions, I can assure you that you will one day rejoice with the blessed in heaven. Whereas if you keep with those who are bad, you will become bad yourself and you will be in danger of losing your soul. And I think this reminds us of the fact that like friendships have a purpose and it's not just to like occupy my time, you know, um, it's to point us to our ultimate friendship with God. And so if our friends aren't people who are surrounding us and building us up, you know, this isn't to say that all your friends need to be religious to do this. Like it's just, do your friends support you? Do they love you in a, in a way that they're going to call you out when you're not living up to the person that you're supposed to be. And they're going to build you up and call you to something greater, um, and not just let you settle for mediocrity in your life and mediocrity in the friendship. And I think um, too often we allow ourselves to be kind of like the, The holiest person in the group you know we have a lot of different friend groups and especially if you're kind of getting involved with your faith or maybe you're involved in ministry you have those older friends from childhood that like you know you've grown up with and you have that connection to and you hang out with them and you're like okay i'm i'm the churchy one now i'm the faithful one now and so they may say and do all this stuff but i don't have to um but there's this you know quote that's thrown around all the time by jim Rohn. he says um you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and I think that if you look at the five people you spend the most time with, you'll start to see like bits of yourself, like in their habits. And if you're constantly surrounding yourself with people that aren't building you up, then you're going to start to be the average of that. And you're going to start not to expect to be called to something greater. You're going to start to feel really like my life isn't going anywhere. And I want to, I want to make like a PSA about this right now that if you're listening to this and you really struggle with friendship or with loneliness or anxiety or depression about this whole thing and feeling like really out of place, I don't want you to hear these words and be like, great, now I really have no friends because I'm looking at all my friendships oh, and yeah. saying like, these are not fruitful because just because your friendships maybe aren't doing this, it doesn't necessarily mean that they can't or it just might be an, in, might be an indicator that we're misplacing our desires that only God can fulfill in our friendships, and then we just have to look at our friendships through a different lens. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have authentic friends. It might mean that we're just not authentically uh, entering into the friendship as it would best, you know, build us up in our own faith. And so um, to think about if you're the holiest person in your friend group, your close friend group, you probably need new friends. And that doesn't mean you have to ditch those people. It just might mean that you kind of have to become like the spiritual mom or dad of that group (laughs) and kind of be the one that's, that's actively and intentionally calling them to something greater and not just kind of sitting by the wayside while while all of them are kind of partying and drinking and sleeping around and smoking. And you're just kind of sitting there like, oh, I'll just go and have a drink with my friends and I'll let them curse and say all these, you know, gross things. And I won't do that. But, um... Because I'm I'm the faithful one. And then you leave and you don't realize like surrounding yourself with that is really kind of toxic um, to to our thinking. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And in Proverbs 13, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Mm. It,
1: it just, I mean, part of Lent also, I don't a lot of people are doing the whole, um, you know, fast from anything that is not good for your body or good for your soul, like not mm-hmm. watching TV or, um, re- eating healthy because you want to acknowledge the temple that God's given you. And it kind of has to do with your friends too. Like mm-hmm. it's this whole, you know, what you invest in is what, um, you're going to get out and what you, you know, if you're investing in friends that, are continually doing these things that are drinking or cussing or, you know, just partaking in things that morally you're not going to do, then it is that, you know, assessment time. And you have to look. And just like you said, you don't have to ditch them. But I really, really am a strong believer in um, making sure that you are you have friends that are surrounding you and lifting you up and carrying you to heaven. And if that's not that friend group, then maybe it's time to take a step back and really start seeking out communities within a church and, um, trying to find somewhere else to invest your time and your friendships.
0: And also to acknowledge, like, we don't mean this in a puritanical sense. Like, you know, um, there's a difference between like, you know, um, a curse word being used in the context of a conversation or like, Blatant blasphemy or disrespect for someone like God or other people. That's just crude and gross. Or, you know, uh, one good drink shared with friends versus like a party and like complete debauchery. Or, you know, a good cigar when you're just having a nice conversation versus like chain smoking at a bar all week. You know, like there's differences in these behaviors. So, Mm -hmm. you know, always exercise the, the virtue of temperance. But recognize... Are these situations when I'm feeling that I want to socialize in this way, are they building me up like is there really good conversation, are we really checking in with life and and having deep conversations about it and my friends calling me to something greater and sharing with me their struggles and we have this vulnerability or is it just because when we're together, all we really do is drink and smoke and, and say crude things. Right. And then that's really not building you up. So um, to recognize that. Uh, in the book of Sirach, there's this really great whole like exposition <laughs> on friendship in chapter 6. And a couple of the verses say this. When you make friends, don't be too quick to trust them. Make sure that they have proved themselves. Some people will be your friends only when it is convenient for them, but they won't stand by you in trouble. And I feel like, like I could have written this in my diary like last week. Like this is so modern, you know, like of an idea. And we all have those friends that only reach out to us when they need something. Yeah. And to recognize not only who are those friends and kind of like allowing myself to not be magnetized to that just desire for connection. Like, ooh, this person needs me. This person wants me for something. Maybe I can be that savior person for them. And also recognizing who are the friendships or the acquaintances that I have when I only contact them when I need something. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to allow them to either let be free of that type of anxiety that I might be putting on them, or maybe I need to be a better friend to them mm-hmm. and really invest in that relationship. Um, because if if people only reach out to you when they need something, they're you're not a friend. You know, you're a living Google. Like that's just a, a they're Google. they're going to you because they need the answer to something, or you know. Um, and this doesn't mean that these friendships can't be mended. Um, it may be just like a lack of communication or lack of vulnerability, or like we said, clashing love languages or clashing personality styles. So, yeah. um, you know, be able to like sit down and have that. You know, like, look, like I really feel like our friendship is kind of turned into you know utilitarian. We're both just kind of like reach out when we need something. And so maybe maybe we need to like have a little friendship check and like have you know really check in or. Um, if you realize, like, after that conversation, it's, like, too fragile for that opportunity to take place, then maybe the friendship is not strong enough to continue, you know?
1: The past, like, five or six times I've talked to somebody, and this has to do with relationships and friendship, but I've had this consistent conversation with people of people asking me advice and like what my opinion is because they're having this issue within a friendship or a relationship and I always say well have you talked about it like have you guys (laughs) talked about it and it's been like well I've insinuated or well I've just you know thought about it or I've I it's been going on for so long that and it's just it's so frustrating for me because every time it's like have you talked about it like have you sat down and had an adult conversation and just talked it out because that's usually where the majority of disputes happen and like we have these arguments or we get upset with somebody because they didn't do something or they didn't say something and then we hold it in and we don't talk about it and that is just so destructive to any kind of relationship when you don't sit down and talk about it no matter how terrifying no matter what you think how the conversation is going to go, you need to sit down. And I always say try and remove just a lot of your emotional response within those conversations too because we tend, we'll get wrapped up in that. And then those conversations will play out like you think they are. Yeah. And they'll get, you know, into a heated fight or whatever. But if you can really just say, I feel like this and this is why or this is what happened and it made me feel blank.
0: Yeah. Using I statements like that. Yeah. Like taking ownership of your feelings. Recognizing like if this person really is your friend, they probably didn't intend for you to mm-hmm. feel that way. There just maybe this lack of communication. And I think... You know, for guy guy friendships, this might be a little bit easier because men tend to be more direct. However, people think that men aren't emotional in their friendships, and they are. It just tends to be more of like anger and frustration, and just like, I'd rather just kind of punch them in the face and be done with it, you know, type of friendship. Yeah. And that's why you have this weird anomaly where like guys will get in a fight and then they'll like shake hands Stop. and be best friends for yeah. the rest of their life. And women look at that and they're we like, brood, What we is sit going and we stare, on? And we want yeah. you to
1: read our minds. Yes. And, exactly.
0: Yeah. So I think like recognizing that, like, You know, this is going to be easier when you're talking to someone who, you know, by nature of gender has that same way of communicating, like, female-female conversations, like, recognizing, like, okay, this is going to be, you know, a little bit longer to talk about, like, and be more empathetic and be more communicative and really listen and have that sense that we really need to, like, hash this out and... Mm -hmm. But I think it can be a problematic in a marriage or a guy-girl friendship like yours and mine, Jenna. Because mm-hmm. if if we aren't aware of the fact that the other gender communicates differently, Different. yeah. then men are going to get frustrated because the woman isn't communicating directly like they do and just say what you want. <laughs> and when they say exactly what they want, the woman, because they don't feel empathized with, is going to feel like they're being mean or too direct or not being you know emotionally sensitive. And in the moments when the uh, the man is not being empathetic or compassionate and kind of like that quote unquote reading the mind, yeah. um, then the woman's going to get frustrated yeah. and is not going to, you know, feel like they're communicating. They're going to communicate that way and the guy's not going to so know fun. what they're saying because it's not direct, you know, so, <laughs>
1: so be able to
0: recognize and like Jen and I have, have Just kind of the personalities where, like, I I think I communicate a little more in the female way and you communicate a little more in the male way than, like, the typical guy and girl do. (laughs) And so we kind of, like, find this weird, awesome bridge to Uh where, like, we can talk about anything and kind of can read each other in a way that um, we know how the other person communicates. But that's taken a lot of time as well at at the same time. And it's not that, like, we're... We're like weird adaptations of male and female. Like we just have been around the other gender and been around each other, especially in such a way that we. And I think we're really also cognizant of trying to communicate well in our own marriages. I think that's a huge. And so that kind of just blends naturally into a healthy friendship. So, um, Saint Jerome says this about friendship: the friendship which can cease has never been real. And then he also says, true friendship ought never to conceal what it thinks. And so I think exactly what you said, Jenna. Like, Mm. I always say that if people just said exactly what they were thinking, the world would be such a more, like, easy place to navigate. And it would be very,
1: like, painful and shocking and scary initially.
0: But then once people just were in the habit of doing that and just saying, like... Look actually I really didn't like that you said this because it was really you know offensive to me and I know you probably didn't intend it that way but and just kind of like allow your emotions to not run the conversation but be right. very like practically direct This might be my male side taking over, and women are probably listening to this. Like you (laughs) have no idea what you are saying. We can't just do that, so I am going to shut (laughs) up.
1: Well, I just think of all the things I would say, and I
0: (laughs) I know we've all had those moments in the car when we're like rehearsing our end of the conversation, and we're like, if they say this, then I am going to say, well, you should have done this, and that'll be it, and that'll be my mic drop moment. It's like okay, it can't turn into like you know a crazy. Argument to win like
1: or you argue with yourself after you've had the conversation of the things you weren't gonna. Yeah, it's good
0: anyways, so (laughs) That whole like those those two things we just talked about recognizing loneliness and then being able to look at our friendships and say Are they fruitful Mm -hmm. Um, and if they are or if they not how then do we seek virtuous friendship? Okay, and so that's that's this next thing so I want to Preface this by asking this question like do you if you look at your group of friends do you have friends like the people in the story of the paralytic from Luke chapter five? Mm. Friends who are literally, if you're paralyzed in your sin or paralyzed in life, are literally going to rip open the roof of a stranger's house to lower Love you to it. Jesus. Yeah. Like that's, they're going to fight to get you back to who you were created to be. If your friends aren't like that, then you need to really try and seek virtue in that friendship and try and communicate with them to make it that type of friendship. But if you can't force it. And if they're really not willing to put in the effort or it's just not gelling or it's not fruitful, then really seeking out those people who are going to do that. Um, St. Francis de Sales says this, Love everyone with a deep love based on charity, but form friendships only with those who can share virtuous things with you. The higher the virtues you share and exchange with others, the more perfect your friendship will be." So true friendship, based on what Francis is saying, is friendship that seeks the absolute best in the other, builds one another up, it leads each other into deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like that quote, to To love someone is to will the good of the other, mm-hmm. which I think is St. Thomas Aquinas. And that isn't just our relationships, but it's always kind of talked about in Theology of the Body. But really, that's friendships too, like am I really willing the good of the other? Um, and recognizing, like, I don't need to be repaid for the good things I do in a friendship. I don't need to be, you know, given back what I give in a friendship because it's my desire to do this for the other person out of love and because I want to lead them to Jesus. And in leading them to Jesus, I'm also going to Jesus. And so there's this fruitfulness that naturally comes about when you realize this person's not my Savior, but together we can walk with each other in our vulnerable moments toward the Savior. And in that, we're both drawing nearer to Him.
1: This may be really, really stupid, (laughs) It's fine. Um, while you were saying that quote and while you were talking about that, my brain went to um, MySpace.
0: <laughs> what is this? I'm so young and hip, Jenna. I don't know what this MySpace is. That oh my you speak gosh!
1: Of. Oh my gosh! My brain went to MySpace and like your top five, your top eight, yeah, and, like or your top eight or whatever it was. And so I was just like how. You know, and when we your have top, like all the other top friends. One
0: wasn't your oh man, top the one. Fight, you weren't your top one's top one.
1: The fight. <laughs> the fight. But it just it makes me think of how, you know, we have all these friends. Um, but then you have your top couple friends. Yeah. That you really are you know, striving for heaven together and you're going, and you can have all, you can have all the other friends. Yeah. There's an appropriateness
0: to acquaintances and to, you know, like work relationships, but like not investing so much in a sense, like I'm looking for my own fulfillment, acceptance, you know, desire for love and relationship in this relationship that this friendship or acquaintanceship that's really not going to lead me there. Right. You know, recognizing my desire really is for Jesus ultimately in every relationship So which ones are gonna get me there and let me invest the most time in those?
1: Was it top eight or top five? You could do your top four,
0: your top eight, your top 16, or your top 32 if you're just like selfish and you can't decide, so.
1: (laughs) All of you are my best friends. (laughs) I just
0: wanna please everyone. So um, that passage from Sirach um, chapter six also says this, verses 14 through 17 say, a loyal friend is like a safe shelter. Find one and you have found a treasure. Nothing else is as valuable There is no way of putting a price on it. A loyal friend is like medicine that keeps you in good health. Only those who fear the Lord can find such a friend. A person who fears the Lord can make real friendships because he will treat his friends as he does himself. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, like, that passage, when you read it, y'all, like, Sirach chapter 6 is so modern and so convicting. Like, when you just, like, put every friendship you have up against that passage and just be like man, like, I need... It causes me, at least, to think, like, I need to work better in my own friendships. Yeah. And then to recognize, like, this person kind of sucks right now. Like, in my friendship, like, I need to kind of call them out and see what's going on. And to recognize, like, no friend is likely sitting in their room thinking, like, I can't wait to make Jenna feel like she isn't loved. Or, you know, like, whatever. It's it's normally there's something else going on. And so that my... be so wonderful. I know it would be awful. <laughs> and if you find out they're doing that, they'll just be like, bye, Felicia. But, like... Recognizing like there may be something going on in their life that's causing them to maybe like not feel like they're giving a lot to the relationship, and it's our job as the other end of that friendship to really put aside our selfish desire for like I want the attention of this friend, I want them to invest time, I want them to check in with me and say Hey, I was thinking about you today, or I'm praying for you, and recognize like Oh, I need to be doing that too, and this might be a sign that they're not doing so good, yeah, and to reach out. And so Mm -hmm. I think the question then is How do we find these friends Um, when we? I think for me, when we're looking for virtuous friendships, then we need to frequent the places and activities and events that build up our virtue and that are naturally going to introduce us to people who are doing the same. Yes. So, like, if you're not going to find a, well, usually,
1: typically, it, not in
0: the setting aside the rarest of occasions, you're not going to find a fruitful marriage potential spouse or definitely a fruitful friendship. If you're like, I'm going to go look for a new friend, maybe at that bump and grind club mm-hmm, down the mm-hmm, street mm-hmm. at 1 a.m. when everyone's plaster drunk and. Specifically,
1: um, 1 a.m. is a good time yes. to go find friends. Yeah,
0: yeah. Is that how I met your mother, where nothing good happens after 2 a.m. or yeah, something? I'm like, good. after 9 p.m. Like, please, like, <laughs> turn your phone off. Like, go to bed. After 9 p.m., <laughs> people are getting shady ideas when they're texting you. So, but um, to recognize, like, okay, if I want faithful friends, where would they be hanging out? You know, if I want to be a person who seeks virtue, where are other people who seek virtue going to hang out? And I'm not saying like, you only have to go to church to find friendships, but recognize- You can only find
1: them in chapel. Yes.
0: yes, Only at daily mass. Only there.
1: When you
0: look around, whoever is Gregorian chanting the loudest, (laughs) that is your future best friend. Best friend. Um, (laughs) No. It's like recognizing like, okay, maybe there's um, a Bible study nearby, or maybe there's like a- a singles dance class in the early evening or in the afternoon that's like a good place or maybe in the student union at school like at a a university where people are really trying to strive to be the best that they can be you know, you're going to have some hit and miss in those situations as well, like just because someone's coming to church doesn't mean that they're you know, really pursuing a life of virtue, you know Um, so, and I want to shy away from also talking about this in the context of relationships because we've done an episode on that, but you know For friends, too, like recognizing just because someone is Catholic or says that they're Catholic doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to lead you to Jesus Christ in their friendship. They may have a lot going on. They may be at a very, you know, um, difficult point or beginning point in their journey and are still battling a lot of different temptations. And to just be aware, like, um, that – was it the passage or – great. This is one of my tired moments. I can't remember what I said. Um, Oh, when uh, in Sirach it said – Make sure that they have proved themselves. Like, don't be too quick to trust them when you make friends. So, recognize, like, I have to look for friends in the right places, but then also have that that guard up and not say, like, just because I found this friendship at a park or at a flash mob or I went and did this random escape room in the middle of the day or, you know, fun things that really, like, challenge your mind and your body, you know, at the gym or this or that. Like, look for people who are really trying to build themselves up, body, mind, and soul and go to the places where people would do that Um, and you'll... Then it's just a matter of kind of going out on a limb, um, which I think in our culture is hard and it's that awkward. That is
1: so hard. Yeah. We don't like looking up from our phone, <laughs> acting like... Okay, seriously, when you're in a, a large area where there's a lot of people, we all act like we're super busy. Yeah. We all act like we have something to do and we can't spend time to like actually acknowledge each other. And so we have this like mindset that... Um, Nobody wants to talk to each other and we're all too terrified to do it. Yeah. And so just really being bold and confident and just saying, hey, I'm blank. How are you? How's your day? Yeah. And starting a conversation because it's really probably not going to happen if you don't do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And this could be like something as simple as like when you're standing in line, at, you know, at a matinee movie theater, and for the concessions, yeah. and just saying, like, "Oh, hey, what movie are you seeing?" and seeing if there's some commonality there, you know, if they're like, "Oh, I'm going to see Fifty Shades of Grey, be like, and okay, conversation, bye. like, <laughs> um, um, or just be like, oh, "Let me tell you a little bit about my friend named Jesus." Um, so, but you know, if you're in line at a restaurant or you're waiting for your reservation or. Um, at the coffee shop, at or the library, you have, yeah, or, I mean they're or gonna,
1: gonna yell at you. But, library, but I would talk in the library, <laughs> man.
0: But um, I apologize. It was the super librarians. loud
1: in the, the library. Same. Oops, sorry. Can you
0: buy me this <laughs> book, please? Um, Do you know
1: the answer to twenty-seven?
0: Oh my gosh, there's this great episode of Impractical Jokers when they are trying to like out noise each other in the library, oh, no. and they pack a <laughs> backpack of noise-making things for each other. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Um, those that? are friendships that have a good time together. Those guys on Impractical Jokers. Um, they do some dumb stuff, though, but I love watching them. Anyways, and so this can be awkward. And so I think um, the older you get, it seems more and more difficult to make friends. And I think this is because we come we become more and more worried based on our experience yeah. of what the other person will think of us, if they'll judge us. Um, but if if we if we're meeting them or encountering them encountering them somewhere or at something that already establishes some type of commonality especially if it's a commonality of seeking virtue or seeking like a depth of faith like a bible study or young adult ministry or something like that or you know at do, after after mass at donuts or in the courtyard of your church you know it's going to be a lot easier and more likely to make a virtuous friendship and so having that willingness to say like hey i'm matt what's your name you know and In my experience, even if people aren't like very, you know, open to the idea of like you just like kind of bursting into their life in that moment and trying to start a friendship, most people, when you say like, Oh, hey, what's your name? Like, they're like, oh, hi, uh, I'm so-and-so. Like, no one's like, I refuse to tell you my name because <laughs> do you not do not look like the me. person that I want to talk to. And if they they do respond that way, then that's a good sign that you do not want to be friends with them, you yeah. know? But 99% of the time, people are at least willing to, like, shake your hand and, and say, say their hi. name yeah. and, you know, give you that one, you know, sentence opportunity to, like... You know, have some small talk, maybe establish a commonality or something like that, you know. I was Um, that jerk
1: for Kelly, one of my good friends from Mississippi right now. She wanted to be my best friend freshman year in high school, and I did not want to talk to her. (laughs) (laughs) It's a total jerk. So sophomore year, we got placed next to each other in class, and she started talking to me, and I was like, I don't like you just because... You're here. And, and we became best friends. And yeah. it's been good. And you didn't so like you
0: me see. when we first met Whatever. Either. I just
1: don't like people <laughs> this sometimes. This is just your... I think this is just a you think, Jenna. Sorry, everybody.
0: <laughs> all of Jenna's friends listening are like, did Jenna hate Wait, me when Jenna we first met? <laughs> me. What? Odds are yes. Um, Sorry.
1: So, I love you all.
0: So when we have this virtue-seeking friendship, like, <laughs> I wish we had the formula to tell you, like, this is how you go about it, but, like... Look in the right places. Like, when you go to confession, say, I'm going to avoid the near occasion of sin, the people, things, and places that um, lead me to sin. Mm. Think about the opposite of that. What are the people, things, and places that are going to lead me to virtue? And that's going to kind of orient you toward those people who are going to build up these friendships. And then just being able to go out on a limb. And so if you're really socially awkward, going with someone. Um, you know, maybe not your mom, but like someone. Come on, mom! You know, or like, um, just, trying, just trying something new. And I know it can be so painfully awkward, but... The more we try, the more we get in the habit of that, I think that really builds up our confidence if we recognize, like, if I get rejected, then that's that's good because that's one less potential not fruitful relationship that I could have been in, you know? Mm-hmm. And if someone is really a virtuous and authentic and really kind person, they're going to respond really well to that. And so to, like... Praise God for the moments when you get rejected from that potential friendship because you're like that probably wouldn't have been a good relationship in the first yeah, place. Yeah, that
1: would have been so a good part
0: unless for it's to... Jenna and then work a little bit and I, then she'll eventually. You know up what? To, so. I've
1: gotten better. <laughs> I was just sometimes a, I don't know. Anyways, whatever.
0: So, um, <laughs> and all of this is is going to lead toward this last thing that we want to mention, and that's what real accountability and community looks like. You know for us as Christians, as Catholics, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, like there's also this necessity in friendships to have the freedom to call one another out in love. Mm. Um, Authentic friendship, it gives us accountability, especially in spirituality. And if you have like something that's a habitual sin, like real virtuous friendships are what can bring us to Christ in those moments. Um, St. Maximilian Colby says, uh, or said, God sends us friends to be our firm support in the whirlpool of struggle. In the company of friends, we will find strength to attain our sublime ideal. So the question is, how do we call one another out? Like We can't exercise fraternal correction without vulnerability, without this willingness to kind of put ourselves out there. Mm -hmm. But how do we go about that? How do you call somebody out in love if they're not living up to the the person that they're supposed to be?
1: Uh, That's so hard to do because we take offense to it most of the time. We get really defensive.
0: Yeah.
1: When we are calling other people out or we're called we've called somebody out and they get really defensive i know i've been in that place where matt you've called me out for something and been like well are you actually doing that or not da, 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 da. i'm like well i just and you make up excuses but yeah. it's always
0: mm, yeah and always i think it's
1: good and it's just hard, but it's just really hard to do you really have to do it from a place of love it can't be a oh, place yeah. of like angsty anger and you're irritated because they're yeah. not living up to something and you're like you're gonna do this and yeah.
0: you're not and da da da, da yeah. but like you need to stop not doing that or like yeah. you, know, I like, you know. can't I just like think of, go yeah. with that because uh, you have to remember the I statements like if you're just throwing you 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 you're interpreting and perceiving what they're doing and you're like putting a meaning to it mm-hmm. when their motivation or their reasoning could be totally like they could not even realize they're doing this yeah. and they on top of that couldn't even be realizing that it's hurting them or it's been detrimental to you or your friendship and so to recognize that and say like you know, I love you, and I'm really grateful for our friendship, and I've noticed that lately, like, you've seemed a little bit more closed off, or you've seemed like you're not really, like, wanting to hang out or really talk, or yes. you're you're going down this really kind of difficult path, or you're really not doing what, you know, I think that God might be calling you to do. You're not really living as the person that he created you to be, because you're falling into this bad habit. You're partying every weekend. You're drinking a lot, you know, like... And being able to say, like, I'm I'm not saying this because, like, I'm perfect, like, in judging you, but, like, I care about you. And I, I've seen how this has been changing your personality. And to ask questions, like, do you notice that? Like, do you know, do you feel like you're doing this a lot more? Do you feel like it's changed, like, you've changed as a result of it? And not just, like, to throw a bunch at them, but to really have that conversation. Um And to recognize that when we have this authentic community that we can do this, that we can't become too dependent on it. Like, there's also this kind of door we can slip into that we treat our friends like our therapists. (laughs) And, like, um, to recognize, like, we need people who are going to build us up and lead us to Christ. But that's where every friendship ultimately needs to point, is to Jesus. And so, like, I can't wake up every single day and be waiting for Jenna to do something, or for my wife to do something to make my day good, mm-hmm. you know, or to make me feel fulfilled or accepted or loved. Like, that is all about my relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And if my marriage is healthy and my friendships are healthy, then those are going to be building me up and leading me toward that. But they're not ever going to be able to replace it. Um, and so, to recognize that, like, um, again, from the beginning, we can't misplace our need for a savior and put it on someone who obviously can't fulfill it. Um, mm-hmm. Edith Stein, who um, became St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, she said this, um, On the question of relating to our fellow man, our neighbor's spiritual need transcends every commandment. Everything else we do is a means to an end. But love is an end already since God is love. And just kind of affirming and confirming that we need to really be leading each other toward Christ in our friendship. So, Jenna, who are our Who's our saint today?
1: Some dope saints. Saints so plural. <laughs> Two of them because they built each other up.
0: Bonus and they saint.
1: Created a beautiful community. Bonus saint. So today we're talking about Saint Ignatius of Loyola and Saint Francis Xavier, and they are, oh my gosh, they're just so good. Are so they are BFFs. They are BFFs because they went to school this together and they were roommates. Mm. So they're super cool. So um st ignatius he was born in 1491 in spain and he was the youngest of 13 dang and i know that's so many kids <laughs> that's amazing and beautiful so many kids yeah not um, dang
0: to the number dang to being the youngest of 13 oh the like,
1: youngest oh of 13? my gosh
0: yeah
1: that's like that's lucky not lucky, but, like...
0: Yeah, you probably get away very, with everything. like,
1: placed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and his mother actually passed away when he was seven. And so he was raised in um, aristocracy. And so he really, really, really wanted to become a leader. He was, like, very ambitious. And he really wanted to become a leader. And so he became a soldier for Duke. And he fought a lot of battles. And he did a lot of things. He was actually known for being a duelist. And he actually killed a guy because... Um, they had an argument about the divinity of Jesus and so they went into a duel over it. So obviously that's what you do when somebody's challenging you. This is the
0: difference between knowing God and knowing about God. (laughs) I know all about God and if you don't agree I'm going to kill you.
1: (laughs) So that's what he did. Um, It's good. But in 1521 during a battle he was actually actually struck by a cannonball. Um, Both of his legs were struck. One of them was just broken, but the other one was super mangled. Oh for gosh. for a really long time, I think about a year, um, he was in, like, a great amount of pain. He went through a lot of surgeries, and they didn't have anesthesia back then. And so, it was just... Oh. Just a lot of pain for this poor man. And so, they... Um, his health started to deteriorate during this time because I can't even imagine being undergoing all these surgeries your body is just going to freak out on you yeah. um, and so the doctor actually told him that he needed to pre- prepare for death because he was going to die Yikes. and then on the feast of St. Peter and St. Paul all of a sudden, his health turned around, and um, he started to get really healthy. And so, during this process of you know thinking you're gonna die and thinking, oh wait, you know what? Actually, I'm getting healthy. He really started to dive into his faith and dive into reading because he couldn't he couldn't do anything. He was just sitting. So yeah. reading was his thing. So he started reading about the saints, um, and he started reading about Christ. And there was one book that he read um, that really, really. Um, moved him and it was called Davide Christi and it's the life of Christ and it caused him to have this very very strong desire to become a servant of Christ and he wanted to start converting non-Christians and so when he became healthy and able to get up out of bed and move um he walked into a benedictine monastery and before Mary he laid down his military garments and he gave up that life and so Um, after this he went to a hospital and he devoted his time there um, you know asking for like room and board and like food and stuff and helping out there and then during the time he wasn't working he'd go into a cave and practice prayer um, and meditation and so during all this time of suffering or of um, transition in his life he was really really depressed and anxious um, and was in a lot of pain and during that time it made him realize that he really needed a deep education, like to Mm -hmm. really be educated in his faith if this was truly the life that he wanted to pursue. And so he went to school and um, he actually went to a kid, little kid's Latin school first, (laughs) which is like very humble. Um, And he did that. And then he went and he got his master's. And so during that time of being in Paris um, and getting his master's, he was 44 and he was roommate's with St. Francis Xavier, and um, he wanted to go get his doctorate, but he was denied because of his age and also because of his ailments. They didn't think he would be able to actually dive into his studies, Um, and so what ended up happening was him and St. Francis took a group of men, and they all made um, these vows of chastity and poverty, and obedience, and they decided that they wanted to go to the Holy Land. At the time, they couldn't, so instead they went to Rome, um, and they wanted to serve the Pope, Mm -hmm. and so they went and they um, served the Pope, and when they were serving the Pope, the Pope decided, you know what, Um, this seems like a good thing to give you guys. I'm going to approve a religious order for all of you, and they called it Um, the Society of Jesus. And so they created the Jesuits. And um, it was really cool. So that was... That's... (laughs) who was I talking about? St. Ignatius. (laughs) Wow, brain. Um, So I was talking about St. Ignatius. So St. Francis, he was born in 1506. And he grew up surrounded by war. Um, And so when the war finally ended, he wanted to go study. So he went to Paris, which is where he met St. Ignatius. And when he met St. Ignatius, um, St. Ignatius really, really encouraged him to become a priest. And so together um, they received their master's degrees, and then he went on and he taught philosophy for a time, but then that's when they decided, you know what, let's make these vows, and let's go um, to Rome and see the Pope. And then the Society of Jesus was created. And for St. Francis, he was the missionary and... um, St. Ignatius was, like, the visionary. Yep. And so for St. Francis, he went off and he did a lot of the mission work that the Pope sent him off to do. He went to India and he um, taught a lot of about what Catholicism was there and really brought up the church there. He, like, built, how many churches did he build? Like, 40 or 50? Some crazy number. I think it was 40. Um, and then he went to Japan. And because they, at that time they were having to have <clears throat> underground um mm-hmm practice of the Catholic faith. And so he went over there and he started bringing up the churches there. And just during all that travels, he became sick. And in 1522, he died. But I love the story of these two because they both built each other up. They came together. Um, St. Ignatius, encouraged saint francis to really pursue his missionary work to really pursue priesthood saint francis um, encouraged saint ignatius to become the leader of the society of jesus when mm-hmm. he thought you know what no i don't have my, my doctorate like i'm not educated i'm not i i just don't have a role like that even though when he was a little boy he like dreamed of being a leader yeah. um and it's just this beautiful balance and and movement of these two saints really carrying each other to heaven and really encouraging each other to sainthood. And they made it to sainthood because on March 12th, 1622, they both were canonized That's on awesome. the same day. And it's just so beautiful and so cool because they were two best friends that really, really, really chased after heaven. And they really, really built each other up, even though their lives were filled with a lot of crazy. Like, St. Ignatius was, had a really, really painful life. St. Francis grew up in a time of war, um and then he had to go do all this missionary work during this time that a lot of people didn't want to listen like the people in India they were baptized but they weren't taught what the Catholic faith was so they were just like Catholics with no education and so he had a really hard time because the area wasn't supportive of it and then he went to Japan and Mm -hmm. they were like blocking him off everywhere and so um he they just both Really supported one another and really carried each other mm-hmm. in this really beautiful way to sainthood and that 's what we 're all called to do within friendship is we 're all called to build each other up and become saints together because it's just that that journey and that process to heaven and that 's the only way to do it is surrounding yourself with a community that is going to bring you to sainthood and like carry you when yeah. you can't
0: yeah amen and to be able now to go to your friendships and say like how's your faith life how's your prayer yeah. life how can I build you up? how can I pray for you like that's really what really these saints model for us. And so I think, Jenna, that can be our new goal. I mean, obviously our primary goal is to get to heaven, but our secondary goal is <laughs> to be goal? canonized on the same day. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what is our goal? I don't know. You, me, and our char- spouses. All right. All four of us. All four of us are going to become saints yeah. November 31st. That's That'll not good <laughs> <laughs>
0: Great. This is not working out already. We're making a date. Anyways, um, <laughs> that being said, Saint Francis Xavier, Saint Ignatius of Loyola and Saint Charles Borromeo, pray for us. Um, and thank you so much for listening to this episode if you feel like it could benefit anyone please share it with them rate and review this podcast please it helps people find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play whatever you listen to it on And please make sure you like and share us on social media at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram is the primary one that we use and we do have a Facebook page and a Twitter Um, and if you want to again like I said at the beginning of the episode support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month you can be a financial supporter and you get access to patron only content um, so, visit our website, manafoodforthought.com. That's where also all of our blogs and vlogs are housed. And uh, we'd love to um, just allow you to continue to be part of this mission. So, thank you so much for listening and praying for us. Know that we're praying for you. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye! Bye. Bye.